Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. The fight is growing. E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host today, Ryan Treasure. And man, do we have a really cool episode for you guys today. Uh, we've done a few episodes in the past that, you know, kind of uh, talk about uh, CBD, medical uh, cannabis, and uh, some of the implications in, in the realms of those industries and how up and coming they are uh, in the world today. And, you know, I couldn't think of a better guest to talk to about that today uh, than the guest that we have on. We have Dr. Joseph Rosado. Dr. Joseph is uh, what a wonderful man, uh, has a book called Hope and Healing, The Case for Cannabis, and of course, his website website www.josephrosadomd.com and then you know i'm just going to let the cat out of the bag right away because this is a phenomenal radio show that we'll be launching july 10th right here on the voice america variety channel with dr joseph rosado as the host of medi canna talk july 10th 9 a.m pacific time on the variety channel and i want to give a big welcome to our guest dr joseph welcome Good afternoon. Thank you for the invitation, and I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you using the word cannabis and not marijuana, so three thank yous right off the bat. Well, hey, we're getting the show uh, kicked off to a good start, then. Uh, we're using the proper terminology uh, in reference to medical cannabis and not medical marijuana. Um, as you guys know, that's a widely used term. They use marijuana, but those of us who are uh, who are extremely serious about the industry and serious about how it's uh, uh, marketed, how it's spoken about, uh, always use the term cannabis, correct? That is extremely correct. Uh, understanding the origins of that word, you know, came in the mid to late 1930s. Um, the drug czar at the time, Mr. Harry Aislinger, had an issue with the word cannabis and switched it over to marijuana. And to know why, I encourage all of you to purchase my book. Ah, yes. Yes, got to check out the book, Hope and Healing, The Case for Cannabis by author Dr. Joseph Rosado. <laughs> Excellent. We hooked them, I hope. <laughs> I think we did. I mean, if they want to learn about it, they have to. I mean, there's uh, you know so many different things about uh, cannabis and the medical industry and all the you know things that are going on. You know, you have to get out there and, and, and read the material and see what folks like you, you know, doctors in the industry, like what are you guys doing? What are you seeing? What studies are you doing? Um, you know, all of those different things. And I want to get into that. Um, but, you know, I have to do the, the standard finding your frequency question or it wouldn't be finding your frequency, right? Um, you know, I think before we get into the nitty gritty of, you know, what are you doing in the cannabis community? What are you doing with your book and your website? And, you know, of course, the radio show that you're launching, uh, the listening audience wants to know, you know, who is Dr. Joseph Rosado and where did you find your frequency and make a decision and determination that, boom, I found my frequency. This is what I'm going to do. This is my passion. Tell us about that. Excellent question. And I appreciate that. First and foremost, it started when I was in medical school, believe it or not, which 
Um, it's extremely rare because less than 10 percent of the medical schools in the United States even discuss cannabis. But I studied outside of the United States, and in my pharmacology class, we briefly discussed um, the use of cannabis as medicine. Um, it had just passed, you know, in 1996 in uh, California, and in 1997 is when I started medical school. So about a year after I started medical school, I was taking pharmacology, and that's where I learned that cannabis is not physiologically dependent, doesn't cause dependence physiologically. It causes a psychological dependence, but it's not like your other medications, like your, your opiates, your narcotics, um, amphetamines, etc., where you create a tolerance and you need more to accomplish the same result. So. That was the first aha moment. And then in 2010, when it, the law passed in the state of Arizona, one of my best friends, who is a chiropractor, I had been a chiropractor prior to being a medical doctor, and I did practice in the Arizona, in the greater Valley area. Um, he and I developed a great relationship, and he wanted to start uh, you know, a dispensary, and because the law in Arizona is such that you have to have a medical doctor be the director, uh, Dr. be the director of the um, dispensary. He said, "You can, you know, run the dispensary. I've got some property. We'll grow some cannabis, and then you can share some space in my office, and you'd be able to see the patients there." And we were all set to do so. But his wife, and I mean, I'm not slamming her in any way, but it's the common thought, you know. She was of the opinion that, okay, this is a great business to get into, but at the time, my twin daughters and their son, which are about the same age, were teenagers. And her thought was, well, we're telling our kids to abstain from quote-unquote drugs and to have a medical cannabis business would be us kind of being hypocritical about what we're saying. And so she chose not to move forward, and so as a result of that, it didn't pan out. Fast forward four years later, in the state of Florida, where I live and practice, the announcements began for the decriminalization of medical cannabis, and at that point in time, I reached out to the individual that was supporting the campaign and told him, I'm a physician, I'm an advocate, how do I get involved? And a week later, I was on the Bureau of Speakers, and the rest, pretty much, as they say, is truly history. Uh, in 2014, November, the law did not pass in the state of Florida, so we had to wait an additional two years before the law actually did pass. So for about three years, I was actually an advocate more than I was a recommending physician because we had no product, no medication to recommend to visit to patients. Wow. So as you're as you're kind of moving through that that item in Florida and waiting for that stuff to happen, um, being an advocate, what what were you doing to to help get that law change in that time? Because you know, being an advocate and a medical doctor, you know, there are not a lot of you guys out there. I mean, there's there's your fair share, and I think that that's it's a growing community of of standard medical physicians that um, are are advocates of cannabis, but not a lot of you guys out there. Do you do you clash with other doctors in this space, and how did you navigate that? to ultimately get to um, the, the medical cannabis uh, law that's on the books in Florida now? 
Well, the first, during that time where it was kind of a lag time, I was reaching out to the doctors that had been advocating and had been doing it before myself. So Dr. Dustin Sulak in Maine, Dr. Uh, David Beerman in California, Dr. Margaret Getty in Colorado, I was reaching out to them, reading out, reading what they had written, uh, what they had published. I had also uh, was reading Dr. Mishulam's work, of course, you know, he is the pioneer, um, as well as Dr. Hanush, these gentlemen are in Israel. So I was reading and researching everything that these gentlemen and ladies were had been writing and doing. Dr. Sue Sisley, who's also in Arizona, as well as Dr. Ethan Rousseau of, in the Czech Republic. And so I was studying, I went back in essence to training. You know, I was reading journals, I was reading articles, I was reading the research documentation that existed in those places, but at the same time, I was, you know, had my fingers on the pulse and I went to Facebook and I went to a Facebook page called CBD for children with epilepsy. And that's where I really got a wealth of knowledge from parents that were struggling and dealing with physicians that refused to look at the possibility of using cannabis as an augment and possibly an alternative to the anti-epileptic drug uh, regimen that the children were on and started reading on how these parents were dealing with weaning off their, you know, weaning their children off of these anti-epileptic drugs, managing their children with, you know, two, three hundred seizures a day, and as well as other children that were having other issues. And so that's where I got my education. You know, I broke teeth reading and learning from the greats, but also from the parents that were dealing with it on a daily basis. As far as clashing with other physicians, on a daily basis. <laughs> I bet. You know, patients come in, you know, patients come into our office and are saying, look, I, I, I don't know how to talk to my primary care about this because the last time I mentioned it to them, they're like, if you're going to do that, you're out of my office. I'm going to, you know, you're going to need to go elsewhere. I won't be your doctor. And it's like, holy crap. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, why so aggressive? Why so, you know, vindictive? Why don't you learn a little bit? Why don't you understand a little bit rather than, you know, right off the bat, you know, abandon a patient because they are willing and wanting to look at an alternative. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I honestly always had that question with physicians too. And, you know, you, you think about, okay, me, you know, medical cannabis and, and marijuana, weed, right? However, you, however the general public, you know, um, uh, frames that particular, uh, you know, item is, 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 in, is in one mindset. But I never understood, you know, if you have a natural product that's of the earth, it's grown by a plant, right? And the, those types of things. Um, and, and your patient says to you, you know what? I want to try something alternative, something natural, something that's not pharmaceutically based. You know, um, these Vicodin that you have me on on this pain regimen, man, it really stops me up. I it's hard to go to the bathroom. Like, there's so many side effects with all these pills. I would think that every physician would be open to at least having a conversation with their patient around that and not vilifying them for even bringing it up. Unfortunately, you know, that's not the case and, and it's never really been the case because you can go back in time, you know, regarding uh, supplementation, whether it's vitamins, you know, vitamin D years ago was like, no, that's crap, that's nonsense, until all of a sudden, you know, there was research studies, there were people discussing, 
the addition of vitamin D. Even those of us that live in the great sunshine state, we don't get enough vitamin D. We don't get enough sunlight, you know, the natural vitamin D. So we have to supplement. And then people started investigating and finding out that low vitamin D levels caused, you know, depression and uh, lack of sleep and problems with osteopenia, osteoporosis, yep. all kinds of issues as a result of a deficiency in, in vitamin D and you make a sudden you make a good point about the sorry. vitamin D thing too like you know I live in I live in Arizona here in Phoenix which you know you you live in in Florida so both places are like literally the two sunniest locations in all of the United States and uh, I'm constantly outside I, I I ride a motorcycle where you know my arms are exposed to sunlight a lot I hike um, I, I spend a lot of time at the swimming pool right so a lot of outdoor activity and it is really funny I had my men's well exam uh, earlier this year, like in February, and I had a vitamin D deficiency. And my doctor said, like, "Hey, you need to start taking some vitamin D pills as part of your multivitamin program, and you know, get that boosted back up." And I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, "How can I be deficient in sunlight? All I do is go out in the sun." Uh, and, and and exactly. But up until a few years ago, that was not even included in the men's health or well visits or women's health visits. So, so that's, is that the year. point? You're, is that the point you're making with the cannabis side? Is that just there's not enough doctoral evidence, case studies, and such that are out there um, that have you know provided enough information to other physicians for them to to understand the implications? And so, uh, do you think that as uh, as as time goes by, more studies will be out, more science will be done, there'll be more data for those other doctors? Precisely. The challenge, however, is that in United States, it remains a Schedule One drug, and as long as it remains a Schedule One drug, there will not be any uh, clinical trials done because, at the federal level, it remains illegal, and because a lot of institutions receive grants from the federal government, there's a conflict there, and as a result, there's not a whole lot of trials or studies being done in the U.S. Fortunately, you know, we have a, you have a trailblazer in the state of Arizona, and we have a trailblazer in the cannabis world by the name of Dr. Sue Sisley, who was fortunate to be able to do a clinical trial on veterans with PTSD yeah. and using cannabis. And that's phenomenal because that's really the first of its kind on U.S. territory. Well, and his, 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 work, his, work changed, his work changed the medical marijuana law here in Arizona um, because before PTSD was not a qualifying uh, 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 component to be able to get your medical card. And it's only been in the last, I think, three years or so that um, without public intervention or voting, the Congress of Arizona went in and just changed the law and made PTSD, um, you know, a, a, one of those items that qualifies a patient for their medical card and it was it was, be, phenomenal. It, it so was because of that research that that doc did <laughs> yeah and now you know she's conducted the research with veterans you know which you she really went deep you know went on the deep end with this because she chose you know veterans that are you know getting funding from the federal government because many of them have you know completed their their term have you know completed their, their tour duties and are now, you know, in general population and they're not getting this kind of support and won't get this kind of support from the VA, which is 
who they rely upon for their quote unquote healthcare needs. Yeah, I have a an audio engineer who works here at Voice America who is a veteran of uh, Afghanistan and multiple deployments in the army and um, yeah, I mean the the VA healthcare that these guys are getting after they get out. I was in the Navy, but I never have had to use VA healthcare. You know, um, I have really good health insurance with my wife and all that. So it's far superior to the VA. So I don't even go there, but you know, those guys who have to use the VA, I mean, it's, it is, it's federally funded. Um, no VA doctor um, at the, at the, at the VA will give you a designation or say, Hey, I'll, I'll sign off on your medical card. All those have to be done through, you know, another, another licensing physician and, you know, it, it's it's really sad that all of us have to jump through this many hoops to get something that we all know is helpful and more safe than, you know, your standard pharmaceutical drugs for pain or anxiety or, you know, a lot of the treatments that medical cannabis helps. Exactly. And the atrocity that a lot of these, you know, veterans that have given up their livelihood and their lives to defend this country are being threatened that, oh, if you choose to go that route, you will lose your VA benefits. And a lot of them are fearful of utilizing the medical cannabis for fear that they would lose all of the benefits that they have for themselves and their family. Yeah, and I mean, that's just sad. If you're willing to go sign your name on the line, which is dotted to sacrifice your life for the freedom of every other man, woman, and child in this country, and you get home and you want to smoke a doobie so you can feel better, by God, you better have the right to do that. I agree. (laughs) Totally agree. (laughs) You know, but instead what happens is you have these guys that come home and they have uh, anxiety problems. They have PTSD. They have shrapnel in their leg. They have pain. And, you know, what do they do? They turn around and say, oh, you, you, you have PTSD and you have anxiety. Here's a bunch of benzodiazepines. Eat a bunch of these. And, oh, you're in pain. Here's a bunch of opiate based painkillers. Oh, go ahead and mix those with your benzos, by the way. And, uh, and, you know, so that way you won't feel any pain while you're not anxious and uh, come talk to me in a couple of weeks. And then you end up in this this fog of haze of and, and how do you how do you how do you become a constructive part of society? How do you transition from being in the military to a proper civilian in that haze? I mean, it's it's a it's a big problem. No, and then you forgot the you know, classic anti-depression medicine because, of course, they're depressed. <laughs> yeah. And then the insomnia because they can't sleep because they are reliving their traumas. And so now you've got individuals... Or, or they over-prescribed you too much pain meds and you can't sleep. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. And, and then you, you're you on the opiate, so you can't go to the bathroom. So now you need something for your, you know, to be able to go to the restrooms, you know, a stool softener or, you know, the, the new diagnosis, opiate-induced... Uh, constipation and you know now what what is this person going to do but I take 42 to 58 pills a day which earlier this year I published an article on a patient that was taking between 42 and 58 pills per day and in three months we weaned her down to three pills per day with cannabis and removing the anti-anxiety, the antidepressants, the antipsychotics, the migraine medication, the opiates, the insomnia medication, et cetera, et cetera. 
the in-studio crowd had to had to applause for that one. I mean, what what an amazing thing to be able to do for somebody to help them, you know, go from, you know, literally almost, you know, 40 to 50 some odd pills a day down to two or three and supplementing that with what? What what did you guys use for that particular case to to wean that person down? Well, we used everything that we had at our disposal. So we had some CBD, we had, you know, some high THC, we had the traditional chemo bars, the sativa indica hybrid used throughout the day, you know, sativa in the morning to help with her focus, help with her depression, give her some energy, uh, as, well as, and as well as deal with her pain, uh, an indica at bedtime to support the insomnia, address the anxiety, her PTSD that she had from her adolescence, and then in the middle of the day to address the uh, mood to kind of stabilize her mood, and but all of them were working on her pain levels. And as she progressed, the first thing she relinquished was the breakthrough pain opiates because she realized that by inhaling, by vaping, she was able to replace the breakthrough with the vapor. Mm-hmm. And so she was using the vaporizer pen and then using the you know long-acting tinctures that she would place under her tongue and some topical creams to place directly on the areas that hurt her. So you guys, you guys were hitting it from all, all, all perspectives. You had like the inhalation through the lungs with the aerosol version, and then you had a topical and then you had an ingest. So you were able to really um, get the medicine to go systemic from all, all different uh, distribution angles. Right. Exactly. And hitting every one of those receptors, hitting the, you know, all the endocannabinoid receptors so that everything worked throughout her entire system and work everywhere quickly slowly intermediately and that was the key and she was a very very uh, committed patient because she had gotten to the point where she was all she was doing was living around the clock because the clock dictated when she was going to take her next set of pills wow so let me play devil's advocate just a little bit here. And I'm going to use myself as an of example, course. right? Because I'm the only example I know. Um, I've had some experiences where um, like, so I have the lower back pain and chronic back pain, which is the reason why I have my medical card. And so I do something similar and this is kind of a daily routine for me, right? There's a, a, a I don't, I'm not going to use any brand names on the show because they didn't pay me to talk about them. So I'm not going to give them that love, but um, I'll, I'll just use the, you know, the, the product. So I have uh, like a topical salve um, that's 250 milligrams uh, THC CBD one-to-one uh, uh, ratio that I use. That's a topical. And so I usually put that in the lower back. And so where I have a problem and I, I always get this wrong, it's not in my spine. It's in the joint where you bend down just below your spine. Yes. Right. I don't remember what that's called. The IM joint or something like that. <laughs> Uh, the SI joint, your yes. iliac joint is what I, it sounds like you're yep, describing. The, yes, the SI joint. That is absolutely the one. And let me tell you what, it is inflamed like no other right now today as we're doing this radio show. And so, you know, what I do every day is in the morning I get up to try to have preventive because I know as the day goes on, it, go, it, it starts out with, you know, maybe like a one or a two of dull pain in the morning and then kind of uh, escalates throughout the day to a, you know, seven and eight. And yeah, some days I I get to excruciating where I can't get up. Um, 
so I've been able to avoid most of those with using, uh, you know, these types of products, but I have some days, you know, doctor where I'm not even joking, man, I can, I can put that cream on there. You know, that's got CBD and THC. So it's supposed to help the inflammation and the pain and all that fun stuff. And then, um, I'll use the tinctures and I use a brand of tinctures. That's an 800 milligram one-to-one. Um, I always one-to-one. I have found that the one-to-one products work better than using CBD by itself or THC by itself, in my opinion. Um, and then, uh, so I use those tinctures and then I always carry my vape pen. And so I have some days where that doesn't work for me. It just doesn't do anything. It's just, I apply those, I smoke those, I ingest those, nothing happens. Uh, even to the point where, you know, you get to um, some circumstances where you get home and you've had a long day and you haven't been able to, you know, reprise the pain. And then, so my go-to for anything in that respect is I go, I go straight for the big guns, which is RSO, um, right? The Rick Simpson oil, um, full spectrum like i don't think you can get anything more potent than that um and then you got to be careful with that because you've already been kind of ingesting and and using topicals and that throughout the day Uh, and then i've had a couple of instances where i've over medicated because the medication wasn't doing what it was supposed to do and so that's where i play devil's advocate because you know cbd and these products and medical cannabis um, are very good products for helping people but they don't help everybody all the time and that is true, they don't. But one of the things to overcome what your challenges are, because that's the typical patient, is that they, I recommend that they medicate whether they need it or not. So rather than waiting until they do experience some pain, discomfort, anxiety, depression, and reach for the pen, go ahead and take one to two inhalations every two to four hours. Because you know that the lifespan of an inhalation you know, it takes three to five minutes to get the effect. It peaks at 30 minutes and it lasts two to four hours. So go ahead and inhale every two to four hours. Now you're ahead of the eight ball rather than behind the eight ball. And that's the goal is to mm. stay consistently medicated. Go ahead and do your tincture first thing in the morning. Even though you're at a one or a two, doesn't matter. Go ahead and take it. It's like blood pressure medicine. Do you take it only when you have your an elevated yeah. blood pressure or do you take it every day to prevent your blood pressure from getting out of control. Yeah, and I guess for me, it's just one of those kind of things where I'm, I'm, I'm of the mindset. I guess probably everybody may be like this too. Like, you know, you you're, you're, you have stuff to do during the day. You have to go to work. You have children. You have responsibilities. You got to drive. You got to do all those things. And so, you know, I personally, I, I got to be very careful, um, you know, because I got to drive to work in the morning. And so I can't, I can't do too much medication or it, it messes with my ability to drive. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say this and, you know, let me put out my disclaimer here. I'm not a lawyer. I don't claim to know the law. I just know the things that I think I know and I may be wrong or I may be right. Who knows? Good disclaimer, right doc? Um, Excellent disclaimer. The, the thing is, again, is if, if I get if I get pulled over, if, if I get pulled over in my car, though, they can just test my 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 blood and say, "Oh, you're driving under the influence of even if it was something I took three days ago." And so that's one of the challenges with with medical cannabis is that you can literally get a DUI, uh, you know, for medicating, even though that you need that medication. And so that's always a challenge for people. It's probably a challenge for anybody who takes any medication because it's probably not you know illegal for it's not legal for you to you know take many medications and drive. But, you know, that's the challenge with trying to medicate on a, you know, on a consistent basis, because um, if you do that, you could potentially be setting yourself up for some kind of legal action because of driving under the influence. Yeah, but you are aware that most patients that take opiates take an opiate every six hours. That's short acting. And then they take a long acting opiate that lasts 12 hours. 
and they work and they drive and they handle and work with heavy machinery and teach our children what's the difference yeah well i mean the difference i'm playing devil's advocate yeah well i think the difference is is there's a blood (laughs) there's a blood test that they can run on me to show i have thc in my system to give me a dui is where they're probably you know they could do that blood test on the person having opiates and that's not being tested for they're not looking for that they're right they're not looking for that but they should because many soccer moms are taking you know two benzos two xanax with (laughs) a a couple of martinis because they're going to go pick up the kids that have been at school and at soccer practice and they're leaving the club and heading to pick up the kids man if you if you if you if you eat two zanny bars and some martinis i don't want to be around you you're going to be a sloppy mess Oh man, I, I learned a long time ago that particular uh, combination, that concoction is very unsafe. Uh, benzodiazepines, especially Xanax and alcohol. You want to you want to lose your memory? Yep. You want to lose your memory real quick? That's the fastest way. <laughs> exactly. And how many are you know how many folk in our population are doing that on a daily basis? So, yeah. you know. No, you make a really good point and uh, kudos to you. I love your devil's advocate side as well. I think we both make some really good points and this is exactly why we need to continue having these conversations because, you know, we're highlighting things that need more discussion um, and, and in some cases need some uh, need some legality wrapped around them and some protections for people. I mean, I think if you make a decision to, um, you know, naturally medicate yourself in a manner that's not affecting anybody else. Why should I ever get in trouble for that? And, you know, just stuff I think we got to work on with um, just, just our civilization, our, our culture, right? Yeah. Or look at the issue of traveling. You know, if you're a legal patient in Arizona and you choose to get on a plane and leave Arizona and come to Florida, can you travel with your medicine? That's your medicine. You can travel with your opiates. You can travel with benzos. Yeah. Why can't you travel with your cannabis? And, now, and, it, know, and it depends on... Ago, yeah, and if I get on an airplane and I fly with my vape pen from Arizona to California, even in California has a, you know, uh, 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 both a medical law and a recreational law, um, I broke federal law because I flew on an airplane and I crossed state lines. And so that's where the federal implication comes in and it being the class one scheduled drug just doesn't really help any of us. Right. But now, two weeks ago, uh, the TA said, okay, you can travel with your app-based medicine, just not your THC-based medicine. So people are now able to travel, according to TSA, with CBD, but just not any THC product. Well, between so, you and me, I don't think TSA is smart enough to know the difference on a product with no label on it. Not only that, you come to Disney World and you have a bottle of CBD and you're going to get arrested because that happened to a poor lady that came from South Carolina, had a bottle of CBD. Well, she had a... With a grandchild. I don't know if you saw that on national news. No, I didn't. Yeah, check it out. Uh, it, It was just remarkable that, you know, Rather than just saying, look, man, you're not allowed to enter the park with this because Disney has a zero tolerance for anything cannabis. And just saying, ma'am, you can't enter the park with this. Just, you know, go back, you know, leave this in your vehicle, come back in. No, they, they called, you know, Orange County's finest and went as far as, pushed it as far as they could push it. Yeah, but they couldn't really do anything because it was a CBD product, correct? 
technically, no, you're correct. And that was, that's the whole thing, that because it was a CBD product, all they needed to say was, look, you know, we have a zero tolerance for anything cannabis, whether it's, you know, hemp or, you know, from, from the hemp plant or cannabis plant, because regardless, both of them come from the mother plant, which is cannabis sativa L. You know, that, that it comes from the mother plant. And then you've got the male, which is hemp, and the female, which is cannabis. So both do come from cannabis sativa. You know, it was just a matter of being discreet, being customer service oriented and saying, look, you can't come into the park with this, just leave it in your car. But they they chose to, to go a different direction. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is how many times in a day do you think standard human being walks through that gate with their uh, with their nicotine vape pen? You know what I mean? So many people that use nicotine vape pens. Like, how do you even know the difference between a nicotine vape pen and a cannabis vape pen? Because if you hold one next to each other, they're exactly the same. You cannot tell the difference (laughs) by looking at them. And I tell that, and I, and then that's my exact argument to my patients that ask me. You know, if if I'm if I'm in, you know, if I've got this on me, or if something happens, and like, unless you have a sign that on your chest that says I'm inhaling THC, (laughs) or you divulge that information. And so, you know, I say, treat this like Kenneth, you know, like gays in the military. Don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, no, and you make a good point on that, and you're absolutely correct. Um, it's funny because so my mom, my mom's trying to quit smoking cigarettes right now, um, and so I was like, "Well, why don't you go get a, a vape pen, a cigarette vape pen?" Uh, and she's like, "Oh, I don't know how those things work." So I went down with her a couple of weeks ago to the smoke shop uh, here locally, where they um, and they actually make the nicotine juice for you at this smoke shop, which was actually really convenient for my mom because she doesn't want to mix all that stuff together. She just wants to go buy something and use it. Right. Uh, and so they're like, "All right, well, here's this." container with the juice and then here is a uh, um, you know the the vape cartridge and she's like oh but there's nothing in the vape cartridge and I'm like no I'll show you how to do this mom and I showed her how to take the lid off of it and you know pour it all in there but it was funny because I had my 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 cannabis vape pen uh, right there and you know my mom was like oh you have you you have a you have a, a, a nicotine vape pen too right and I'm like no mom this is my my medical cannabis one and it was funny because the they used a c-cell version uh, of the cannabis uh, for the cannabis pen and then of course the other one was also a c-cell and as you know the vape cartridge that's that's what they're called a c-cell is what makes those things work and it was pretty it was really cool you hold them up next to each other exactly the same and uh, the only the only way you knew that mine was a cannabis pen is because my battery has a a marijuana leaf on it (laughs) Uh, but the other one didn't and i i think that's important to know is you know keeping things uh you know uh, under the covers and not throwing it out in people's faces um is really important to you know kind of have some uh, you know, some secrecy, I guess, not really secrecy, but, um, you know, just to, you know, not, not, not be, uh, outwardly flamboyant about your, your, your THC usage. Right. Exactly. Because all you're doing is creating problems for yourself. You know, just use your medicine, be quiet about it and go about your business. As I was going to say earlier, you know, when you are a medical cannabis patient, you are using it for medicine for specific reasons. So you're being medicated. You're, you're not being incapacitated. You're not using it to the point of euphoria. You're using it for the management of your specific symptom, whatever it is that we are addressing, whether it's Crohn's, whether it's epilepsy, whether it's post-traumatic stress disorder, whether it's traumatic brain injury, whether it's symptoms of Alzheimer's, which all of these things cannabis works on extremely well. You know, 
let's focus on managing your medical condition and you know not have the conversation of oh I just want to get high because that's not what medical cannabis is about yeah no and and you're a hundred percent correct and um, I'm actually sitting here I have a, a product that I use um, it's a rollerball right that has uh, a nanoparticle rollerball in it. and it's a very low dose THC uh, product and it works really good so like my back is killing me right now and so you know as you're sitting here talking about these products I'm like oh I better put this on my back because it's gonna take a half hour for it to kick in <laughs> No charge for the consultation. <laughs> love it, love it. So tell us a little bit about the book, right? We have uh, Hope and Healing, The Case for Cannabis, this book that you've written. Um, you know, tell us what was the reason behind writing the book and where can people find it if they want to pick up a copy? The reason is exactly why we're having this conversation because of all the lack of information or misinformation. You know, the internet, we've all said it is a great tool, but it's also a deadly tool because there's so much misinformation, there's you know so much information that's not referenced that is more anecdotal. And so I wanted to do my best to write a book that was user-friendly, but also was referenced so that patients and physicians and healthcare providers could read it, understand it, but also go to the references in the book if they wanted additional information or wanted to get deeper into the topic. And so that was the whole purpose of the book, to be able to provide some up-to-date information. And it was, in essence, is my you know trajectory from advocate to recommending physician, but also you know why I chose to be a physician and, and, and my story of how I got involved in medicine and you know the long road that I completed just to be a medical doctor. And so that was the driving force, was to provide some accurate, up-to-date information to the community. And the best place to get, to purchase the book is on Amazon. It's, uh, it's available through Kindle, it's on Amazon.com, it's on Barnes and Nobles, it's on Google Books, it's on Apple iTunes, it's on Kobo. So. A, a variety of places. It's also on my website, so that uh, in, your radio listeners can go to my website, and there's a link specifically uh, for my book. Well, that's fantastic, and uh, Dr. Joseph Rosado, we really appreciate your time and uh, sharing your message and your journey with us here on Finding Your Frequency, and I want to remind the listening audience, too, to make sure that they go check out the Voice America Variety Channel, uh, July 10th, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, uh, as you launch your radio show, Medi can talk with Dr. Joseph Rosado. I'm really looking forward to the radio show. I mean, as you can tell by this conversation, I'm an, uh, I'm a huge advocate of medical cannabis. It's done wonders for me. And like I said earlier, it's kept me from taking uh, any kind of pain medicine um, other than an ibuprofen every now and again. Uh, and and I, I don't take any of those medications any longer, uh, strictly just using of uh, medical cannabis. And uh, it's been a wonderful thing for me and helped me and uh, my family and definitely uh, definitely make some strides and if it wasn't for medical cannabis I probably would have never found yoga either um, and and for me with my back stuff and 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 mixing the medical cannabis
cannabis and yoga together has really been a a life altering statement for me in the last couple of years and has allowed me to be mobile, be functional and uh, be a really good dad and coach soccer even for my six year old who all of a sudden, you know, just decided in the last year that she loves soccer. We played three seasons of soccer in one year this last year. So um, and again, I wouldn't have been able to do any of that stuff. Uh, without all of these wonderful advances and you know people taking a chance on changing the status quo so i appreciate your advocacy of that doctor it's a pleasure and it's an honor to be able to do that and you know manage and work with patients just like yourself on a daily basis to be able to get them off of all of these poisons and toxins that as you said did not allow individuals to be good parents you know good moms good dads good grandparents because they were always in pain in spite of all the opiates that they were on that weren't taking the pain away or doing anything for their pain. Yep, just masking them, that's for sure. Masking my pain and providing other symptoms. <laughs> that was my big problem. But man, I really appreciate your time. Make sure you guys go check out the book, Hope and Healing, The Case for Cannabis, the radio show, July 10th, 9 a.m. Pacific time on the Variety Channel, Medicana Talks with your host, Dr. Joseph Rosado. Go check out the website, josephrosadomd.com. That's J-O-S-E-P-H-R-O-S-A-D-O-M-D.com. Go check out the website, find out more. Of course, tune in to the radio show July 10th. And a big thank you for joining us, you guys, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned and we'll be back with some more Fighting Your Frequency episodes right here on the Leader in Live Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.